We're rolling. Timer starts now. Mark. Hi, I'm Ford. And I'm Sky. And these are not our real names. These are our superhero names, and with our powers combined, we formed the writing partnership L. Skyford. Welcome to Booklandia. Today, we're going to review a book, most likely a romance. But before we get much further, did you know you can watch our faces do this episode by subscribing to us on Twitch at L. Skyford or YouTube at L.Skyford? You should really do it. We give good face. And sometimes there's a dog bomb at Ford's house. This is true. For our other socials, you can follow us on Twitter at SkyfordL, on Instagram at L.Skyford. And if you're interested in our book, blog, or even more book reviews, head over to our website, lskyford.com. Lastly, this and every episode are chock full of oversharing and spoilers, and every episode is rated E for explicit. You have been warned. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I feel like I just attacked you with my gentle hello. It, yes, uh, also that, but also hi. It has been um, a long, long time since the last time uh -huh. we've done this. And part of my brain is, and part of my face is constantly doing like, am I on the right screen? Am I recording the right thing? Case in point, Am I I've in the right place. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's it's sort of that. So part of my confusion was in fact the uh are we doing this right? So we're working on that. I'm working on that, on getting back in the groove of it, uh, and and being more sure of where all the buttons are. So hi. Hello. Today today uh, Yeah, go for it. I was gonna say this is this has been a terrible intro already, so just <laughs> plowing right on. Today we're talking about mm -hmm. Katie Roberts' Neon Gods. Uh, but first, Boop -boop -boop. how are you? Because I'm exhausted. I have like an allergy-based scratchy throat situation, and mm. an allergy-based everything is hard to breathe situation. So, yes, I'm going to agree with I am also tired. Mm -hmm. I feel like from February to July, you're just allergy weeping in a corner. <laughs> that is an accurate descriptor of my life in California. Yes. <laughs> mm, mm, excellent. 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 I have been on set for a week and I have another week to go. And we are absolutely killing it and like ending our days early. But it's still, you know, a 10 hour day. So I'm just, my brain is tired. And so therefore my body is just like, can do nothing but play Stardew Valley and read books. And I, I ate chips and dip for two meals yesterday. So also eating comfort food. That's maybe also why you're tired. No judgment. Comfort food is comfort food. <laughs> I feel attacked. How rude. This dip is amazing. <sighs> Fine. We'll continue this episode, but... I feel attacked. <laughs> I apologize for this in particular and for many other things to come, as it turns out. Should we, in fact, segue into the apology parade? I, I think you've laid the groundwork stupendously. Excellent. In that case, uh, it is it is time for apology parade. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you. So here is uh, the setup for this apology parade for today. Mm -hmm. The previous mini-sode, the, the mini-sode preceding this episode, is about cinnamon rolls. and Delicious. 
uh, people. Cinnamon roll <laughs> people. What am I even saying? See, this is how this apology is going. <laughs> so it's about the character trope of a cinnamon roll. There we go. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And it is very interesting to listen to myself talk a, a while after we had recorded it. Right. So today it was like, oh, wait, no, I did not mean that. That is not what I meant. Those are words that came out of my mouth. And those words are not the words I meant. But so uh, I guess my apology parade is uh, sorry, it just occurs to me that it might not be necessary because who have I offended? The theoretical trope of a person. Um, I guess my apologies <laughs> to our listeners. Characters? Yeah, fictional characters. My apologies to our listeners in case you are listening to what I'm saying and are then judging books and people based on that. So I I state once and for all, I am no expert. And sometimes my mouth does stuff, but my brain does not. So I apologize for the mouth before brain part of the adventure. Um, in the episode, I say that cinnamon rolls are like children that need to be taken care of. They are not necessarily children. There, are, I mean, there are characters out there who are children, but the the cinnamon roll trope does not imply that the character is helpless. And I think what I was trying to get at is that in a lot of instances, the characters that I really like are ones that are emotionally available and self-sufficient and not pushy and the they stand on their own and they support their partners, but they they aren't uh, weirdly possessive or animalistically alpha. And that is the definition of a cinnamon roll. And what I was trying to say is, is that I don't think that people should get a medal for just being good people and so to me the character i describe is just a good person and then but if it's defined as a cinnamon roll then it's like a special thing and i just want everyone so basically mm. i just want everyone to be a cinnamon roll because that seems like a, a a good human so i have no idea where the um they need to be taken care of like babies part came from Possibly. I don't know. I mean, like, there are sentences that lead to that. So I see how my brain got there then. I have no idea how my brain got there looking at it now. <laughs> so, again, the apology is for the brain v mouth situation that occurs at my face a lot. Well, this is not a scripted thing, so we're <laughs> improvising here. And I sure feel like I'm saying words around my foot constantly. Um <laughs> What I wanted to add is when we were recording this episode, I could not remember the quintessential like rule of a cinnamon roll. Like when I first heard about it, I was reading a like a cartoon, like a webcomic, and one of the characters was called a cinnamon roll, and they were too good for this world. They're like they just shouldn't exist because they're so like perfect. And that is what I intended to put into that episode as being a characteristic of a cinnamon roll but it sounds like you highly disagree but i well, want again, to point out uh -huh. i want to point out that don't we read stories because they reflect the world we want to see yes so i absolutely yes i read stories that i wish existed 
in the real world. So having said that, the descriptor of they're too good for this world doesn't work for me because it implies that they would not exist in this world. And I would like to live in a world in which cinnamon roll people exist everywhere, right? So they shouldn't right. be too good to for this world. They should be just the right amount of good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, no. She, they should be too good for this world. And this world is trying to deserve it. I guess I also, and I said this before we started recording, I don't think people should get a medal for not being assholes. I concur. Decency dictates that, I mean, theoretically, an internal barometer of decency should dictate that you're not going to be a dick. And we don't need a trophy for that. We don't need a, you're doing great because you aren't being an asshole. But so much of our world and our society is dictated, it's a rewards-based system. So if we're not rewarding people for acting right, then they're just going to go, like, base, base nature is going to prevail. So it's just how you train dogs. You treat them when they're doing something good, and you shun them when they're doing something bad. So... <laughs> Let's reward when people are doing, when men step up and do the right thing, we get to say, that was the right thing to do. You made me feel safe, whatever. Please keep doing that and spread the news in your locker rooms. <laughs> yeah, that part, I mean, what you just described is fine. It, saying that you're too good for this world, I feel like is elevating that praise to a level that is too, like... It's like getting a gold medal instead of getting a gold star. I'm very comfortable with giving out gold stars. I'm a lot less comfortable with giving out gold medals because it I does feel to me like that's too much positive reinforcement. Um, <laughs> too much positive reinforcement. There Sorry, is such a thing I, as like, too much of a good thing. I, I, I just, the world... The present reality world already the present reality so, world already supports and platforms terrible people. So I feel like putting giving gold medals to cinnamon rolls is just screaming into the void of terribleness, and we need more of it. The screams need to get louder. This hold on, this metaphor got really weird. <laughs> I think you get it. I I do. I, I hear what you're saying, that at this moment, we need to be really loud. And if we stick back with my gold stars versus gold medals metaphor, we need to be giving out gold medals right now until such a time mm -hmm. as enough people get the memo. And then we get to give out gold stars for being there versus gold medals for we're the same thing. So yes, I yes. I followed you down the imperfect <laughs> metaphor road. So yes, thank you for being in my head more concisely than I am. <laughs> I'm glad I could help. Shall we conclude this apology parade and just be like cinnamon rolls are great? Yes, I or, guess. Uh, uh, yeah. So again, I think my apology in this instance is not to cinnamon rolls because uh, they're fictional mm -hmm. tropes. But to the people who may incorrectly identify cinnamon rolls based on my description of it in our uh, mini-sode. So this is more of a correction parade than it is an apology ooh, parade. Ooh. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A deeper dive 
Nope. No, I got it. I lost it. <laughs> Deeper dive parade. Yeah. <laughs> Deep dive parade. <laughs> Everyone's wearing scuba suits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds adorable. Okay. Let's talk about um, Katie Roberts' Neon Gods. Um, yes. Let me show you this cover first. So for That's some hot shit. I, I like this cover a lot uh, for those of you who are not watching us, but are listening to us. It is a dark blue background with a spotlight in uh, purple magenta color illuminating a throne, a leather throne. And it Ooh. says, one taste is all you need. Uh, Neon Gods mm. by a New York Times bestseller, Katie Robert. It is an excellent cover, I feel like. It's, yeah. Now it having is a read it, I get very it. Very good cover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the font as well. I'm a font whore, so some good font. <laughs> I, uh, I enjoyed the lighting. I enjoyed that there was lighting mm-hmm. in this book, actually, mm-hmm. uh, because it speaks to oh, me, and yeah. I appreciate that I am not the only person who appreciates good lighting and the mm-hmm. significance of lighting in in a moment, in a in a staged performance, if you will. And there are some staged performances. Oh, I believe we have a dog bomb, kind of. I mean, a dog chatty bomb. <laughs> bomb. There you go. Very clear. Very clearly, someone is dropping off a package or walking down the sidewalk minding their own business so oh perfect so <laughs> so just a regular amount of people interactions Fantastic. <laughs> right she can see a person so that's what's happening that makes um, a lot of sense this this book was very 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 good and extremely hot shall we tell the people what it's about uh, yes, I am so glad that uh, you listened to my friend yelling and read this one. <laughs> I'm always yelling for steamier, and you're like, here, have this whole book. <laughs> I have found the thing you've been asking for. Please enjoy. Uh, yes, let's tell let's tell the people what the book is about. Um, yeah, let's figure it out. Do you want to read it? I mean, I wrote it. I feel like you read the last one. It, we should really keep track of these things, but... This is literally what you said last time. <laughs> Shit. I'm, I'm happy to read it. Great. All right. In that case, I'm going to count right. you in. All right. Okay, great. Three, two, one. Set in modern day, Persephone runs away from a surprise engagement to the Euroxidal Zeus and his men chase her, torment her into closing, choosing to run into Hades' territory. Hades surprises Persephone, firstly by being alive in the first place, contrary to popular Olympus opinion, and then by accepting her deal to stand up and fight back against the tyrannical Zeus. They choose to do so through exhibitionist sex. I put a lot of hard words in there. Why did yes. I do that? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Can you tell me what the word uroxidal means? Yes, uroxidal. And I had to look it up because I didn't know there was a word for it is when a husband kills a wife. Okay. Because matricidal is when a woman kills her husband. So like I had a whole like writing this. I was just like angry typing no, it because wait, why I don't. I think- 
I think homicidal is when you is kill when a, a man. person kills a person. When a person kills uh, a person. Okay. Matricide is when a wife kills a husband. I like I googled it because I was like, why don't we know a word for when oh. a husband kills a wife? I thought, and I'm clearly wrong here, but I thought that matricide was when you killed your mother. Because patricide Ma- uh, is when you kill your father. Yes, I. I thought it. I thought it was the other way because, like, Ma, like Mari being married. Look, I'm not a linguist here. I just Google things. Okay, I'm pretty sure that patricide and matricide refer to parental deaths. Also, content warning, you guys. That's a lot of words about people being murdered. Sorry. Yes. If- <laughs> oh, you're right. Matricide is killing your own. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna do li- live live googling. googling. Very good, live googling. Okay, hold on. While you're doing that, I'm gonna. Oh, that adjust. is. Don't Google that. Don't. That's a rough one. <laughs> yes, don't Google that. Uh, is yes, please do not do not Google it with us. We will do it for you. <laughs> uh, while um, you're doing a Wikipedia ca- page called lists of types of killing, so. I'm going to be flagged by the FBI today. <laughs> yes, that is common common occurrence in my household <laughs> for very specific reasons. Oh, mariticide. Aha. M-A-R-I-T-I-C-I-D. That's why I thought it was mar- uh, matricide. M-A-T-R-I. Wait, what did I just say? M-A-R-I-T-I. Yes. Mar- mariticide. Got it. Is killing a husband. Cool. So we now don't we use know. those words enough. No, clearly we do not. I, yes. And the patriarchy wins again. <laughs> that was a surprising place to go, but I see your point. I absolutely see your point. So uh, back to the young gods. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it came out on June 1st. Yay. Happy book uh-huh. birthday for June 1st. And this book, I'm just going to slide into questions this book is based on greek mythology right so persephone and Mm -hmm. zeus and hades and uh the rest of the uh pantheon of gods Uh, i also i'm all aha sorry my mouth did a thing where it can't work for a second (laughs) i'm back it's fine okay so it's based on greek mythology but there's a point at which they mention that they're all human also as we just discussed at length, there is murder, there is killing of them. So they are not immortal. Uh Um, Uh So this is my question for you. How did you interpret the, like, how are they both gods and humans for you? Sure. So for me, they, she wrote very kind of pretty clearly that the title of Zeus and Hermes and Hades and Demeter, like those are titles. And you're either hired into a title or it's a legacy title you're born into. So it's like the term king or queen or what have you. But there is also very light, subtle hints at a soft magic system because there are these borders. There's a border around all of Olympus between the human world and there's a border between Uptown, which is... Zeus's realm and Lower Town, which is Hades' realm, the underworld, quote unquote. And there's a border between those two across the River Styx that, like, Hades has control over that 
River Styx border because he allows Persephone, he allows people to come and go. But we never talk about how that power is wielded or how it feels. Like we never talk about it. There's just these implications about it. So, dunno. Okay. Was something cut? I I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's not important. It's not important, I guess, to the story. Well, so today, Katie Roberts announced that there's going to be a second one in this series uh, about Psyche and Eros. Cool. Sure. I know much less about that story than the others. Than yes. Persephone Hades. Yes. Uh, or Eurydice uh, and Orpheus, yeah, and which is... Orpheus, yes. Yeah. Implied in this book. That story right. is implied of in it. Yes. So, um, I, yeah, I agree. It's very similar for me insofar as this was soft magic with very little explained. And I feel like it's sort of, um, it's implied in, in, in some ways because when she crosses the river sticks the first time she does so barefoot and she cuts her feet. And he says that, that, that pain is payment for entry. Mm-hmm. And she asks for, um, sanctuary as she's running towards him she has to reach out to him in order for her to be able to enter into the underworld I mm-hmm. kind of want more about this magic like I want to know this yeah. world a lot more but it did it like I kept forgetting that they're mortal it kept slipping my mm-hmm. mind that they were not gods personified it, immortal Sure. Yes, that they were immortal sure. and then they would just continue on, but they, they do not. No, I I really liked it. And as having read Laura Olympus, like that was a really great stylistic and story guide in. Like it was a really, ref- it was a good refresher for me to enter into this book. I was like, oh, this is just like the dirty Laura Olympus. <laughs> yes, definitely. In case you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, there's a book coming out of Lore Olympus that you can pre-order. It's a webcomic. It is published on Webtoons as a weekly serial. Yeah. It's very long. There's a lot coming. I think the book is going to be doorstop width. So I I think it's yourself. Yes. Me too. It's going to be gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. Okay. Uh, When Persephone and Hades join forces, they they decide to thumb their nose and middle fingers in the air to Zeus. They decide to do that by performing and engaging in public exhibitionist type sex. It goes along with Hades' persona as being the bad guy, and he's like deflowering or, you know, what, not deflowering technically, but uh, soiling Zeus's pure Persephone fiance. And it's going to piss Zeus off. It's, uh, and that's what they both want because. He screwed them both just by being a raging dick. Uh, (laughs) So uh, along with exhibitionist sex, they introduce some dom-sub language into their relationship as well, with Hades being the dom, Persephone being the sub, though he, he, he calls out that she's trying to top from the bottom. Like, there's a lot of that lingo happening in there. What was your opinion of these two kinks before you started the book? after the book and did your opinions change i'm gonna start from the back back end of your question back side of your question i really think you should (laughs) so uh my opinion of 
of kink of this particular kink and kink altogether did not change based on what I read in this book. Uh, I but having said that, I already have a positive opinion, a hell yes opinion of like kink as as it exists. So I I've said it before on on other episodes. There are things that we read that may not be my preferred way of pleasure, but if it is written really well and the people that I'm reading about are into this pleasure, then I'm into what they're into. And this book definitely did that very well. I, at all times, like there were things that I read that was like, this would not be my bag of tricks. Like I would not do this but they are enjoying themselves so thoroughly mm -hmm. in this moment and in this act that I fully support their adventure. If you're asking me whether or not I'm into exhibitionist sex, I don't know that I need an audience uh, that big, mm -hmm. but I could use an audience of a few people. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So for me, I think my only, uh, coming from a very like, prudish upbringing I'm still I still maybe associate myself as being a prude and the only real experience with like dom sub bondage bdsm is in these books that we've read beforehand which did it very poorly 50 shades of gray was not no was no. not please do not do yes. not use that as a it's barometer <laughs> Exactly. And then um, Sanctuary, Rebecca Weatherspoon, it was great, but not, it wasn't true dumps. Like they didn't really get into it in the same way this book touched into it. So like this book was, I felt the first true step for me in a, like not possible reality, but like what it might actually be like in these kink worlds. I've never thought about exhibitionist sex before in my life. I don't, I still don't think it's for me. But in I'm in looking at my relationship and my uh, marriage, uh, he takes care of me in a lot of ways uh, because I'm exploring my feminist side and doing anything remotely like housework just fuels my rage. Like he and he takes care of me. He cooks. He cleans. So that's kind of what a dom does. Like they take care of their sub in a lot of ways. And so I see a lot of there's a there's potential openings. Or pathways there I could see for me. I don't know if it's a path I want to choose, but I can empathize, I think. It didn't change my mind, but it furthered my perspective, which I thought, I mean, that's that's what I come for in reading a book. <laughs> uh, I really want to make a dirty joke there, but I feel like it's a very revelatory statement, so I really shouldn't. No, no. And now you can make the dirty joke. Please do not ever leave a dirty joke spread open on a table. Ooh, I no longer need to make that joke because you just made a spread open joke. I do want to bring up a scene that was spectacularly written. It has to mm -hmm. do, it's, it's in this, so they have this, I want to call it a dungeon. It's not really a dungeon. It's more it's like not. a salon in which mm -hmm. people are invited to watch them. And there or is a scene. Whomever. Or whomever, right? Like it is, it is an exhibitionism yeah. salon. And I think that's uh, lovely and it feels very safe and secure. And like, mm -hmm. it's, it's a really considerate space and the way that it's described and the way that it's 
I believe in the safety of that space, and I think that's really great. Yeah. My favorite and moment everything is uh, it, you can wipe everything down afterward. <laughs> yes, it's, it's considerate in that way as well. There's yeah. a lot of leather. Uh, my favorite <laughs> moment in the salon is when he puts her in the throne, and mm-hmm. the way that that scene is described, the image. Like the imagery of that scene is really strong in the best way because she's wearing a crown, she's in a black dress, she's backlit on this black leather throne with her leg thrown over one of the arms of the chair uh-huh. with him between her legs is like the coolest thing. And the yeah. most powerful, like she is Persephone, the queen of the underworld, not Persephone, the goddess of spring. And I love that. Uh-huh that existed and in there there are some other scenes that you sort of know where it's headed and that moment is a surprise because she's surprised uh-huh. by it and i feel like it's it's from his point of view and he's surprised by it too that that he does it uh yeah. and it's like ah it ah <laughs> it was so good it was so well, good she i can't remember the exact order of it but i think she sets it up like the first time they come in he has her sit on the lap her, uh, his lap the second time they come in she sits on his lap and then it's that scene where instead he like she sits on the throne and he you know worships her well no it's that scene starts with her giving him head while he's in the throne and that's supposed to be yeah. it that's supposed to be the this the right. scene or the imagery the they're project like that's supposed to be the scene they're projecting yeah. to all of these people watching them that she's fully subservient to him and she does all of these things she performs all of these right. things for him and he, like she is his um he, she is his to use essentially right it's meant to be sure. like he is this powerful man and she is his ragdoll and we as the omniscient reader know that persephone and hades have agreed like this is a uh, an agreement that they've entered to willingly and he is not abusing her at all but the image that they come into the room trying to project is one of abuse but then mm-hmm. he flips the script and puts her yeah. on the throne in the moment what I, the point i was trying to make is structurally Katie Robert has her sitting on his lap, sitting on his lap, and then he does like it's a it's a one two three punch yes. of like we weren't expecting it because we needed one more sitting on his lap rather right. than that. So that's how does, she put us. And up. it yeah, it does start that way. He puts her on he she goes to sit on his lap and he moves out of the way. Um, it's mm-hmm. it was it was great. It was mm-hmm. it was pretty like it was pretty. It was well written. It was very hot everything yes yes. (laughs) everything yes everything yes fantastic i was gonna do my next question is that where i was gonna ask you if you want to do your next question yeah uh so this book has two very quick blink and you'll miss it hey i'm by sort of statements um in which they mention previous partners who happen to have names of the same sex uh neither of them make I'm by statements or I'm pan or what have you. We are both also currently reading books uh, where the book you're reading, the I'm I'm by I'm gay whatever statement doesn't happen until like 200 plus pages in. Mine has a very clear like chapter four I'm pan statement, and I wanted to have a discussion about if a character doesn't explicitly state their queerness, 
does the author get to say it's an LGBT book? If we never find out that Holden Caulfield was bi, does A Catcher in the Rye get to be an LGBT book? Basically, don't we want to live in a world where people don't have to go around shouting their queerness from the rooftops in order to be acknowledged? This kind of goes back to our apology parade question. Okay, so much to unpack here. So, such a big question. So, first, first things first. Yes, I want to live in the world where everyone just gets to have partners or not have partners, if that's their preference. And there is no necessity for labels and there is no necessity for vocal self-identification. 110% yes. I wish for a world in which my kids don't have to, if they don't want to, have a coming out party because they're like, what would you be coming out about if you don't have to make declarative Uh statements about your sexual identity in that moment, right? Um, Right. If If it's truly normalized. If it's truly normal, you just bring your person home or you just tell people about the fact that you don't want to bring a person home or that your person... Mm -hmm might might not be a sexual partner and that's that's right all of that is fine all of that is great yeah i want to live in that world a hundred and seventy percent yes uh, and the extra 30 that go after the 170 um <laughs> just for math 200 got it got, yeah yeah, yeah got for it. math nerds out there um do we currently live in that world no we don't uh-huh. at all and in the current world and this sort of goes back to your gold medal versus gold star in the current world where so few stories comparatively are told about marginalized communities, including the LGBTQ community shouting would be nice. However, yeah, not, no, no character and no person owes it to us and no author owes it to us to identify their characters right like no one has to disclose if they do it's very nice if they don't then they don't i don't know so okay so i'm gonna pause there and then i'm gonna bring up the fact that dumbledore apparently is gay there is no Uh mention of it in any of the original books but jk rowling says he is Right? Yeah. So, and in that instance, is that meaningful? Like, is that type of representation meaningful? Because, and and I'm not gay, I'm not a gay man, but having read Dumbledore, I wasn't like, this person is like me. Nor nor mm-hmm. would I personally, but I'm trying to, to make a parallel here. My parallel You're not here a is, super old gay wizard. Got it. I am not a super old gay wizard, <laughs> but my point is, is that if there is a super old gay wizard out there reading this, and they read Dumbledore, would they really say this person is like me, or would they then read a comment by the author that's like, oh no, he's gay. We just never talk about it. That doesn't have the same impact for me. I don't think. I don't think it makes the same impact without putting it in the story. Because these people are fictional, I feel like they we we need the words more than not. Mm. Also, this is clearly like a personal thing. I want more shouting for the community. 
And so I want more words. I I see you have a thought now, maybe two. So I'm going to stop here because I have more. But no, because because I forgot. Um, No, I think I remember. So the reason I thought of this question is because the book you're reading right now, you're like how she classified this as LGBT and the character has never said it. And then you eventually got to that point. So what I got to what I got to is a sentence, one sentence. And the sentence says uh he might be better at cunnilingus than I am, and I think of myself as an expert. Okay, great. That's and it. This, that's, and, that's it. That's and, the only thing. Right. And Neon Gods just has those references to their previous relationships. Do you still classify them as LGBT at that point? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Okay. They're like, also, you, who, you were like, am, how I dare mean, this other book say that when she's not said anything thus far? Like... So that, maybe it's not two, for us to know. Two different questions. And the first question okay. is whether or not characters that only graze over their sexuality belong in a an LGBTQ category. And the answer there is they absolutely belong because every yes, person belongs, of course. right? Like, of course. So there's that. Yes. The yeah. second question is if if your character is part of the community should you as the writer of that character make more noise i think mm. also maybe yes right sure. as as a reader and part of the community i would love a bigger nod so mm-hmm. do you see what i mean like so i feel like it's two questions sure so yes they sure. belong in the community and then yeah. i kind of wanted more or i i mean wanted i had no idea neon more. gods would was could be classified lgbt I I didn't necessarily either. I actually had very few expectations of this book when I came into reading it. So (laughs) I was I was delighted and surprised by all of it. Well, I guess the last sub point I'm trying to make is I feel like we we might be better served and just, you know, assume everybody is LGBT. Assume Holden Caulfield is pan and go about your day. I mean, again, that would be amazing if we removed labels, if we were like, yeah. this is my partner and this is my gender and my partner's gender, if you want to disclose or this not. This is my other partner and my other partner's gender. Like Exactly. Yeah. Or, again, yeah. or not in terms of, this, right. right, just like this, these are the people that I share my life with. How are you doing yeah. today, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, if So I think a lot about uh, a science fiction book. Um, oh my gosh, now it's going to go really poorly because I need to come up with... The uh-huh. author, so it's a Robert um, Hen, Hen, yes, Hen- Lynn, and it's called. Hen- Hen- yes, yeah. hold on. And the book is called. Oh, for Pete's sake! Now it's just terrible. <laughs> I have it in my head. I have the image of the cover in my Ax- head, and it's probably. It's not like Axiom's a- End. No. no, it's um Stranger in a Strange it's- Land is what it oh, is. Yes, and it's Robert Hanlon, and yeah. in that book, a man from the nineteen twenties accidentally ends up in the future and in this future there are no legal marriages there are relationships that are all really fluid and open and without the definitions of sexuality attached to them so there are um and so people come and go from each other's lives and sometimes they stay together and sometimes they don't and there is no no ownership is placed on other people in that way Mm-hmm. And for a bit, it blows his mind. And then he uh, figures 
that he fits into this. So I think of this future world in A Stranger in a Strange uh-huh. Land so frequently with longing and need with like a, <laughs> could this, could uh-huh. this please be part of it? Um, Excellent. And, so yeah. we should, we should just start a list of books that are stepping stones, cobblestones to Stranger in a Strange Land. Yes. Yes. A greater Excellent. world in which we don't own other people's emotional or personal spaces. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, apply legal barriers to them. Or apply legal barriers to them. Exactly. Yes. Um, so that's that's mm. my two cents on that. Uh, white, white girl snaps. Very nice. That. Very nice. Okay, so I also want to talk. Here's another thing that happened in this book that I have not read. Back to Neon Gods. Uh, Back to Neon Gods. Oh, yeah, sorry. Back to Neon Gods. Not a stranger in a strange land. Um, In Neon Gods, there is so much consent and it is Mm -hmm. so fucking sexy. And Mm -hmm. it just kept getting sexier. Like, yes, it is an extremely steamy book with really explicit sex scenes. They are a delight, but there are also absolutely um, these moments of consent that I was like, this is the hottest thing I've ever read because look at this delicious (laughs) consent. So Uh my question is really uh, because we don't see this much consent in a book often, particularly one that has like a huge public um, readership. And I think. I, it is my assumption that the reason it's not written in is because it might feel like it takes us out of the sexy moment if they stop mm-hmm. and discuss consent. It To me, it didn't at all in this book. And now that I'm reading a different yeah. book and it didn't have this amount of consent and I'm like, no, stop. You got to talk about uh-huh. it more. You got to talk about <laughs> it more. Um, so my question for you is, did it take you out of the moment for them to to set their boundaries, to clearly identify their needs and to give each other permission for it? Or do you think that this amount should be or a similar amount should be written into everything we read? Uh, y- yes, full, full yes across the board. Uh, what I, it was so seamlessly written in that there there were a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I just read consent. But it was there was so much of it, and having you re- read it beforehand and say all the consent, it's a, all the consent, it's everywhere. Consent is everywhere. That there were moments when there wasn't consent that I was expecting. Like any time he touched her, any and I think their first kiss, like there was no verbal consent about kissing. There was like a couple of things, like he'd grab her hand. I'm like, he didn't talk about that. They did not talk about touching. Did she consent to this touch? Like, so I got a little rabid about it, but the sexual consent was delightful and uh, repeated and continuous. And it also, I started working through some personal shit about it. I was like, she didn't mean that actual consent. She's just like playing along. She's, it's fear-based consent, but it's not. Like she was actually literally doing that. And I had to check my, I had to recalibrate my consent Senses, my consent, what's the caliber? I'll think of this term better, but consent sensors, that's the word. We got it. I thought we were going to caffeinate harder before. (laughs) So, consent sensors. 
Yeah, I think, and the other thing that I've definitely not seen before is midway through some of their scenes, he would check in with her uh-huh. and be like, is this still okay? Because uh-huh. it it could have been okay before, and now that we're in the moment, maybe it isn't anymore, let's check uh-huh. in. And that level of care, like that in that moment. And then there is a moment when he checks in and just says, this is no longer okay. And they immediately do something else. They bounce. I love that her safe word was pomegranate. Pomegranate. I thought that was a really clever, that was very clever. Uh, I can't remember, but I don't think she ever checked consent with him because he was always leading the scenes. Oh, but she does. She does. Yes, and it's my favorite moment in the book, so we're not going to talk about it until okay. after the break. All right. Uh, yeah. But she does. So, she absolutely does. Okay. So then to answer the third sub-question in this, sub, in this question block, I would always love to read and experience more consent. Again, this is a thing that in books I would like to see translated into the real world, which I think is happening. I think there's a lot of conversations amongst teens and young people about consent now, which is great. It's just, this was so seamlessly done. I'm afraid for other books. It's it's been a thing. There is the, you Uh know, the book I'm currently reading. He reached out and touched her, like put, like put his hand on her neck and rubbed her cheek. And Mm -hmm. she's conflicted about how, like whether or not she wants that touch. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Back on out of that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, wait, no, no, yeah. this is this is not yeah. how it's done. And it's supposed to be this, like, involuntary attraction moment. And mm-hmm. to me, it like, it's a little slimy now because uh-huh. there is a way to be involuntary and still, like, have boundaries set beforehand. Yeah, so. yes. It, the, the physical consent applies in some con- in some conditions like a, a physical touch like if somebody's touching you and you step into that touch physical consent yeah but knowing that her thoughts are like maybe not is not consent that is not consent no all right should we take a tiny break yeah. here to to give Very, to give the, the shortiest of short breaks short break okay we're gonna take an intermission right here When we come back, we're going to break down our favorite moment from the book. And discuss our ratings and if this book made us want to get naked. Please enjoy this message from one of our friends in the podcasting world. What is the RPG Concierge? It's an interview show that discusses tabletop role-playing games. This hobby has had a renaissance over the past several years, and odds are you've heard of Dungeons & Dragons, hands down the most iconic of RPGs. If you're curious about what D&D is or other RPGs you've heard of, then check out the RPG Concierge. Are you curious about dipping your toe into this mysterious hobby? Are your friends talking about it, but you feel nervous about joining? Are you afraid of ruining it for everyone else? Well, you're not alone, and as your RPG concierge, it's my duty to make sure that you feel comfortable. Check out our first season, which is entirely dedicated to getting started with role-playing games. Each episode will discuss a different topic with a new guest, be they brand new players discussing their experiences, or veterans doling out advice for all the rookies out there. We'll remove some of the mystery that surrounds this vast and exciting hobby and have fun doing it. So come check us out. 
Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Damn it. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. Hello. Welcome hello. back. And welcome. Oh, that was a good podcasting voice. Hello and welcome back. Uh, hello. We are <laughs> we are talking about Katie Roberts' Neon Gods. And yes. we're gonna we're gonna talk about favorite favorite moments, favorite and compelling moments. Okay. Yes. So the thing I was saying before the break about consent. I have I actually mm-hmm. have two. I have two favorite moments in this book. And the first one is about um so they're in bed and she she straddles him and she brings up their use of condoms and this is actually Uh and 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 then we talk about she talks about uh safety and uh being tested and he talks about being tested they talk about um the the other forms of other other forms of birth control other forms of birth control for um for her and then she asks if it if it would be okay with him if they no longer used condoms. And there is actually, this is what I was alluding to earlier, uh-huh. there's a passage yeah. in there where he says, no one's ever checked in with me like that. And it, feels, right. it feels very tender to be taken care of in this way. And then uh-huh. they continued the conversation and both of them affirmed that though they just agreed to no longer use condoms that if at a later date they want to take that power back and uh-huh. go back to using condoms, they will check back in with each other. That the yes. that this is not a we will be not using condoms from here on out. It's just at this yeah. moment we both feel safe to do this. And that the like the permission is given in this moment, but all permissions can be reverted was uh-huh. so fantastic to read that right it gives it gives a glimpse into a relationship into a very safe relationship into a relationship in which the partners can revert consent on something that no longer feels safe and it was yes. so awesome it's fantastic and i just want to do a just a quick brief, very brief uh consent it there's an acronym now i don't know if have you heard the acronym the consent Go acronym ahead. It's fries. It's fries. Your favorite potato snack. So freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. And so like that one like ticks the reversible, the freely get like the inform. They had the whole conversation. Like I feel like if we went back through and looked at all of these consent moments, it checks all the boxes across the board. So fries. That's fantastic. A fries. 
Okay, yeah. my other moment that I have I have to vocalize yes. it, I have to bring it to light. When he realizes <laughs> he's in love with her, his inner monologue is, I cannot tell her I'm in love with her because I would never put that burden on her and I would mm-hmm. never trap mm-hmm. her with my emotional needs. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yes. That is the decent thing to do. But like what male character up until now has ever thought about their partner first to be like, I'm not going to lay this very heavy. Like, again, I'm now comparing all other books to it. And it's very problematic for all other books because (laughs) this does not happen. (laughs) So I, I remember that part and I remember being like, Oh, he's a wounded bird. Like, I see what you're saying about putting her first, but that was a very wounded bird moment in that I'm not comfortable sharing my emotions because XYZ backstory. So, like, I see that moment very differently. It is also, I mean, it is also that he is also wounded, but I definitely read that moment as he he wants to tell her, but not right this Mm -hmm. second. Because if he tells her in this second, he's afraid that she will change the course of her life to Uh accommodate his needs and feelings. And that is not how he wants her. He wants her willingly, right? He wants her freely. Sure. And if he like lays this love thing in front of her, it's sort of like, to me, it was the inverse of a grand gesture, which basically Mm -hmm. made it the hottest Mm -hmm. thing on the planet, right? Because (laughs) he didn't put her on display or on the spot Mm -hmm. or demand an emotional response to his emotional Mm -hmm. needs. In fact, he was like, I'm going to hold this bit. And then we find out in her note that she does a very similar thing, that she says, Mm -hmm. I really want to tell you about how I feel about you but I can't right now because everything else is happening and we need to focus on that. Mm -hmm. So know that a conversation is forthcoming, but it isn't there yet. And Mm -hmm. I drooled, cried and laughed all at the same time. It was a very confusing situation. (laughs) So, and allergies plus allergies. You were just just a hot mess. One of everything. It was Amazing. amazing to read. Fantastic. And yeah. So that's where that's at. Uh, for me, the my favorite part was the structure of the whole book. Very rarely have we read or I've read a book where the entire thing was well-crafted external conflict. That That's really all this book was, was external conflict. There was no major internal conflict between the two characters uh, and within themselves. Like they were all, they were both, there was a little bit of arc. Like, you got to have a little bit of arc, but everyone was a fully formed human coming together, making consensual choices and middle fingering Zeus, which like, mm, not middle fingering him. That's dirty. <laughs> just, just uh, defenetrating him. Just defenetrating him. Uh, accidentally? Accidentally. <laughs> So, like, this book never had a, the bad boy turns over a new leaf and feels feelings. Uh, she learns her own inner strength. Like, I mean, there's a little, but, like, it's act one stuff. So uh, that was fantastic, because usually when you read a book that is all internal model, uh, internal conflict or external conflict, it feels imbalanced. This one was off the charts strong. 
in that regard. So I'm here for it. I Did, stand. I, yeah, I will. Uh, I need to go back and read everything that Katie <laughs> Roberts. Maybe not every. I, I looked at her catalog. There's some stuff in there. I was like, I don't. I really don't know if I'm into this at all. But maybe if you <laughs> if you wrote it, I might be. Um, what uh. What is your naked chart situation here? Did this book make you get want to get naked? Can we wrap this up so I can get naked again? <laughs> yes, we can work on that as well. I I was naked like the whole time. That's what it felt like. It's like <laughs> this is the this is the book F-plus. to read in the nude. Yes, because like, and I was thinking, oh god, I was thinking about it. She's never embarrassed about her public naked body. Nope. There were, she would be standing having whole scenes without any bottoms on. Right. And like never <laughs> once a self-conscious thought. That it was it it was so good. So epic. So uh lots of lots of action here and here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it, on on my body and in the book. Thank you. I was like, for those who cannot see you, yes. Uh <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Same. Uh like I said, their sex acts may not be the sex acts that I would be into but the way they are written uh-huh. and and the fun that they have with it and the their enjoyment is very translatable so yes absolutely to being naked with this book <laughs> being naked <laughs> with this book with this Excellent. book be naked with this book yeah get yourself a leather chair oh wow yes okay I do need to go now <laughs> get myself a bye everybody <laughs> <laughs> so are you dear audience human gonna pick up this book now that you've heard our review let us know in the comments have a suggestion for another review slide on into our dms if you like this adventure in books or updates on our upcoming projects please follow like save subscribe rate review us on instagram at l.skyford on twitch at lskyford and on Twitter at Skyfordell. Phew, I'm Sky. And I'm Ford. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on Booklandia, where every book is a whole world to explore. And we're out. <laughs>